0: Welcome to the IMPACT Masters Commission Bible Study Podcast. Join us as we study the Bible verse by verse. I'm your host, Pastor Josh Hawkins. We're going to have some deep, thoughtful, and hopefully helpful discussions to try and discover together what it means to be the followers of Jesus.
1: Our video. You- oh got it uh-huh. i the video. I oh, can't see hey <laughs> <laughs> mm. Mm-hmm. I can't hear it. Oh, I hear it.
0: Why am I muted? That was weird. Okay, so hi. How is everyone today?
1: <laughs>
0: you sound so excited. My wife is, is is very impressed by your enthusiasm right now. I want you all to know that. So how is quarantine? Well, I'm a nine on the Enneagram, so quarantine is kind of a dream come true for me. Just a hair. Uh, you mean I don't have to engage with human beings at all? I'm not supposed to? You're telling me not to? Yay! It's kind of a thing. No, that's not what I want to do. What's going on? That's weird.
1: Okay.
2: I need to turn off your That was What's
0: going on? Trying to figure out the best way to get this all set up.
1: I broke it. There it is. I was turning
2: on
0: the uh, lights. What? Well, oh, yeah. the, the, what's not on. the, 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 not the, the, I I can see you. you can see me.
2: I can see you, yeah, you beautiful eyes. well, thanks. <laughs> um, I don't know. are the girls on
0: here yeah i can I, I can see, see them. them. They're currently muted.
2: Not. oh maybe that's why,
0: but I can um. see them and Brother Joshua Francis is also present and accounted for.
2: Well, I think as long as we can see you, I think that's the, and hear hear you.
0: I mean, I I enjoy seeing your shiny faces as well. Can you see? I can see you. Yeah. Yeah. And hear you. Now, oh, and now we've got two other folks that are coming on. I don't
2: know how this mouse works oh i use the screen yeah, is no, there no, not no. even i was, <laughs> I was down here doing this and there's not even oh, a mouse no, there. Um, there, you
1: go.
2: Oh, there you go oh now i can see everyone joshua lauren catherine the girls <laughs>
1: i mean he does
3: oh, have oh, there. there we go there Ta-da. yay we're all here
0: I better get away. Well, I have to. Uh, I have to pour my tea very quickly. But uh,
2: oh, you got tea for us? <laughs> I,
0: I if I tried to share it with you, I'm I'm afraid I would ruin my computer.
3: Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm here. I'm just pouring my tea. <laughs> you didn't spill any, did you?
0: I actually did.
3: Oh, you spilled the tea.
0: Just a hair. I didn't feel bad. I spilled the tea. No crying over spilled milk, but spilled tea, you can cry over that, right? That's That's the rules.
3: everybody doing okay? Is everybody feeling okay?
0: Yeah? Everybody's feeling all right? Everybody's okay? You can just give me a thumbs up. I mean, the guys did, but I didn't see anybody. We're good. good. Are we I'm supposed
1: so to be glad. unmuted or can we mute ourselves?
0: Well, I mean, that if you have something, I, I definitely want you to be able to speak to all of us. You know, I want, I'd like for this to be a conversation and not just a lecture, but you can mute, you know, in between when there isn't anyone that needs to speak. It's up to you. That's good. Okay. Good. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, shall we pray? And then we'll get started with our Bible study this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your goodness. I thank you that it seems like everybody's feeling okay, Lord. And uh, even though we can't see each other face to face, we can communicate in other ways. That's, That's a blessing. So, Lord, I pray that you would open up your word to us. You've given us beautiful promises regarding your word you've given us beautiful promises about what will what what will happen when the word of god is preached and uh what we can expect uh to to experience when we receive the word of god with faith so lord my prayer this morning is that uh we would be fertile soil for the seed that you are spreading abba father that uh that we would be able to receive the word of God, um, not just a little, uh, but in a deep way that grows up for a harvest of righteousness for your name's sake. We ask these things in Jesus name, amen. All right, um, well, we, we were doing, we, before we jump in, are there any thoughts, questions, queries, Look, I have a speed the light mug. That means I'm a good guy, right? Any, uh, <laughs> um, anybody got anything to say since last week?
3: No, no, no. It's cold in here. I need a blanket.
0: I've got to mute my notifications, because that's going to drive me nuts all day. I would think it would do that anyway if you're in a Zoom meeting, but apparently not. Okay, so uh, let's go ahead and let's see. Which screen can I share? Here we go. You can see that, right? Yeah. Can everybody see that? We'll read we'll read from 1 Timothy. We finished on verse 5. So, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons by swerving from these have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else, is contrary to sound doctrine in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I entrusted. All right, we'll stop there. All right. So we talked last week, Timothy is in Ephesus. He's been left there by Paul and charged with this responsibility which was to keep the church on the straight and narrow uh no teaching doctrine that doesn't that's worthless no teaching things that shouldn't be taught um not only should they teach the right uh the the right stuff but they should teach the the best right stuff so not you know they're not they're not to teach bad stuff that much is obvious but then he's also narrowing the scope of what they should be teaching to the things that are of most importance. And we stopped last week there at the beginning of verse five, where it says the aim of our charge is love. That's what the teaching of God's word is supposed to accomplish in God's people. We're supposed to be uh, uh, learning how to love God and how to love each other. That's the goal that's what we're after and uh so now but paul go, kind of elaborates on that a wee bit
3: he says um
0: the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and good conscience and sincere faith that goes further than just love that is uh, we're going to describe that love and where it comes from. I'm trying to turn my phone off because it keeps beeping. Okay, so the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So when we're doing church right, the product is love. That's clear from all over the New Testament, but here's a few verses to back it up outside of 1 Timothy, here's something you need to recognize. And if these folks had had recognized it, Paul wouldn't have had to leave Timothy there. But you cannot build a doctrine on a single verse. You cannot. Um, you, you know, we need the testimony of the whole of Scripture to to really have a, a, a solid, a sound teaching a sound doctrine needs to come from multiple places so the end the aim of our charge is love uh let's let's look at that okay first corinthians 13 verse 4 love is patient love is kind it does not envy or boast it's not arrogant or rude it does not insist on its own way it is not irritable or resentful it does not rejoice in wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth love bears all things believes all things hopes all things endures all things Um, What I didn't read to you was the verses prior to that where he says, if you do not, you can have all of these dramatic demonstrations of your spirituality, like uh, giving everything you have to the poor, like, um, you know, speaking with the tongues of men and angels, like uh, uh, understanding all knowledge, etc. All of those things. Are fine and good, but if they're if you do not have love, they're worthless. And then he b- describes love, the love of God, this agape love that he's pointing at, as patient and kind, not doesn't envy or boast, etc. Okay, First John four seven, beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not uh, love does not know God. Could you get any more blunt, John? Anyone that does not love does not know God because God is love. Ooh, that's huge. That is is a massive theological statement. Like off the charts, massive. Most theologians from the early days of the church until today would say that this is the cornerstone theological statement of the New Testament. God is love. In this, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world, so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought, we also ought to love one another. Galatians five fourteen. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Jesus made it clear. The apostles make it clear. The end of this charge is love. The job of the church, the very thing the church should be focusing on more than anything else is Seeing the Holy Spirit develop love in the hearts of Christians. Love for God and love for each other. We miss this so massively. We we, we point the church in, in all these wrong directions so often. Guess what? The point of the church is not to fill a room with people. The point of the church is not to change uh, The the politics of Washington. Oh, that's going to be a scary one. But that's not the point of the church. The point of the church is not uh, uh, the point of the church is is not to uh, win the culture war or to even okay, now I'm going to get really are, are you ready? The point of the church is not even to end abortion. Although I would love to see it ended. That's not the point of the church. Okay. What we are here to do and the reason we preach the word of God is so, so that the love of God might be made manifest in the hearts of human beings. That's it. That's why we're here. That's what this is about. Now, we can take that lots of different directions. People who love probably would not uh, get abortions. That's correct. That's absolutely correct. But if you skip over the love part and go straight to the no abortion part, you've made a grievous error. And I've seen that happen many, many times. That's why there are church members killing abortion doctors, because they skipped over the love part and went right to the no abortion part. The love part is essential, cannot be forgotten or skipped over or left behind. Um, right. Okay. So love that comes from any thoughts, any, 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 any ideas I just said it's some pretty big stuff. Anybody got anything to say about that?
3: Is everybody awake this morning? I know we're all in our pajamas, right? Except for Josh. He's in the he's in the office, but everybody else, you know.
0: Okay. We'll keep moving. Love that comes from a pure heart. What does that mean? It's a heart that is keeping itself for one thing. Uh, Not cheating with anyone, no mixture, okay? Back to the Sermon on the Mount, everybody. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, Matthew 5, 8. That's one of the Beatitudes. What did we say about that, okay? That statement is about someone. When something is pure, like if I have a bottle of pure water or a bar of pure gold, what does that mean it means the only thing in that bottle is water there's no, no nothing else in there there's no dirt there's no uh you know other chemicals there's nothing else and there's just water it's pure water if i have a bar of pure gold it means all the impurities all the things that are not gold have been removed from that bar and all that's left is pure gold right does that make sense so what does it mean to have a pure heart it means a heart that's focused and fixed on one thing. We are of one essence. And what is that? Loving God and loving people. This issue of Holy Spirit empowered love, kingdom love. That's what it's about. A pure heart, love that has no, uh, that has no, no thing on the side right okay so a pure marriage is a marriage where husband and wife are faithful to each other right they don't have other people that they are giving their love their romantic love to uh or sharing their bodies with right this is a pure marriage so it's a man and woman given only to each other when we have a pure heart towards god it means our whole heart belongs to him does that make sense? I hope it does. Talking about spiritual purity, that is what we're talking about. Now you might say, I thought a pure heart meant we don't sin. Oh, absolutely. That's what it means. But the question is, why don't we sin? Not because we're worried about breaking the rules and being punished by God. That's not that. Not a pure heart. Our motives also have to be pure. Jesus talked a lot about the Pharisees who were obeying the law he admitted that they obeyed the law for the most part i mean they uh, but why did they obey the law well they obeyed the law in order to make themselves famous to give themselves influence that's why they obeyed the law so they didn't obey the law because of their love for god they obeyed the law because of their love for themselves and for the notoriety that it brought them to be a pharisee that's not a pure heart. That is the definition of an impure heart. But we have people that obey because they love Jesus. Oh, that changes everything. That's purity of heart. That's what, and that's what Jesus is looking for. And that's what Paul is encouraging. Does that make sense to everyone? This is yes. This is not. Or you can give me the thumbs up, whatever you need to do. Thank you. I appreciate that. I really do. Here's tea. All
3: right. I promise it's just
0: tea in there with a little bit of brown sugar. It's good. Anyway, but it's brown sugar. My wife is reminding me that I'm on a Daniel fast and so I probably, you know, I'm not supposed to have sugar, but I don't anyway. I'm not being picky about it. Okay. (laughs) All right. Uh, Where were we? A good conscience. Okay, so there's these three things that he mentions. Love that issues from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. A good conscience, earnestly trying to do the right thing. That's what we're looking for. The Bible has a lot to say about conscience. Uh, The Bible says that your conscience... uh, should not be ignored that we should not purposely violate conscience that we should not purposely violate those feelings but john also says in second john i think it is that our conscience is not greater than the lord that if the lord has declared us righteous then and even if we still have these feelings of shame and guilt that we need to listen to the Lord's, what the Lord said over us and not to that kind of voice that says you're trash and you don't belong here. Does that all make sense? Do We have any Enneagram ones out there. Glory to God. That's kind of what their inner voice tells them all the time. That's why I mentioned that. All right. I won't mention Enneagram again. I'm sorry. I know. All right. So that's a good conscience. And I kind of went towards the Sermon on the Mount again, obviously. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. This is where we're, we're, we're supposed to want to get better. We're supposed to want to improve. We're supposed to want to be being transformed into the image of Christ. That is, that's, that's where we should be coming from all the time we should be in a place where it is our earnest desire to be more like jesus today than we were yesterday does that make sense to everybody i feel like y'all are just being way too quiet somebody talk to me hi pastor josh (laughs) thanks josh (laughs) I feel like I'm alone. I'm just talking to a camera. All right. What's next? Um, oh, yes. And a sincere faith um, is earnestness, honesty, no hypocrisy. No hypocrisy. That's what we're looking for. We don't want people who are hypocrites uh, what the whole world? What do they say about Christians? They're all hypocrites, right? That's what they say, and unfortunately, they probably often have good reason to say that. I'm sorry to say that that's true, but it is. And uh, but uh, we need to be doing our best to live in such a way that the world cannot say that about us, or you know, not without lying, because this is the world we're talking about, and they will lie. That happens. Uh, But we need to be striving to be transformed into the image of Christ and have a sincere faith. We're not playing games around here. Amen. Amen. Does uh, Angela Simmons still go to First Assembly? (laughs) uh, No? Okay. (laughs) I love her with... All my heart. But her amens used to drive me crazy. All right. Before we move on, any questions, comments,
3: thoughts,
1: rebuttals? Okay.
0: Verse 6, certain persons, by swerving from these, from the the, the most important doctrines that Paul wants them to teach, have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident uh, assertions. Okay, they've lost the point, and in losing the point, they become wrapped up in foolishness. They don't even know that they've lost the point. That's how far away they have gone. There are so many examples of this, I can't even begin to tell you. There's whole churches where all they do is spend time casting demons out of people. They're casting demons out of people that had no demons in them in the first place. Um, and when you go to church and you get a new demon cast out of you every week, there's something wrong with this picture. If you come to church with a new demon every week, that's, uh, uh, uh. but there are, there are whole movements of, P- of churches that that's what they do. When you have a church that is that all they talk about every week is about, uh, uh, you know, using your faith to get wealth. Or, you know, that, that kind of thing. They have missed the point. They've missed the point. And they don't even know that they've missed the point, but they've missed the point. If I was a preacher and my name was Creflo Dollar, I would change my last name. Anyway, let's keep moving. Um, I, I try not to name people by... Uh, by <laughs> uh, but it's, they have spent too much time thinking about one thing that has nothing to do with the actual gospel. Okay. And they're pursuing something that's not Christ. They're pursuing something that's not being formed in the image of God, who is love. And because of that, they have gone off the beaten path and they are lost. And they are completely just in the who even knows where teaching who even knows what. And it's horrifying and it's disgusting and it makes me want to puke. Okay. Um, Am I allowed to say puke? Is that, is that, is that allowed? Am I allowed to say puke on this? Uh, okay. Thanks, Josh. I appreciate that. Puke is okay.
2: <laughs> hey, Pastor Josh, can I ask a question actually talking yeah. about that? Um, I just came to my mind because I remember uh, when I was a youth student, there was one of the leaders at the church. I went to talk about how he believed that whenever you pray for something, it should always happen. And if you know you pray for someone to get healed and they don't, oh, Either you or they didn't have enough faith. Ooh. What would you say about that belief system? Or that would, thought? Whatever yeah. you pray should happen. And if it doesn't, it's because something's wrong with you.
0: Yeah. I think that's a a bunch of malarkey. It's my personal opinion. I don't think that's the teaching of scripture. Malarkey is an okay word too, right? I don't have to worry about that one either. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, there are lots of things that we pray for that uh, God is going to answer those prayers. God always answers our prayers, uh, but maybe not the way that we wanted him to or the way that we thought He would. He answers our prayers in a different way. So if I ask, oh, you know, Lord, I'm I, you know I'm, I'm asking you to heal this person and then they pass away. Well, that person, if they're a believer in Christ, they are, uh, they are still. Guess what? They still won. They're not going to be resurrected in a sick body, right? Does that make sense? And then, but that's not the only. That's not the only way that that happens. The Lord knows better than us. The Lord understands our lives much better than we do. And so, when we pray a prayer that's not answered in the way that we expected it to, we have to put our hope in the goodness of God, that He has heard us. He has answered us or is in the midst of answering us, but it just simply doesn't look the way that we thought it did. That's, that's my opinion on that. What do you think, Josh? I
2: think it's good. Just random question. I thought I'd ask.
0: Well, that's so. an important question, especially when you read stuff like Jesus says, you know, if you pray in my name, the father will will answer you. That's pretty straightforward, right? Mm-hmm. Um feels like that that's a, that's how that should happen but uh, but Jesus didn't necessarily mean exactly the way you thought he would answer you yeah god's going to answer god always always answers prayer but he answers in his in his own wisdom uh, and authority and so we that whole malarkey about and if please don't ever if you any tell a sick person that that if they just had a little more faith they would have been healed that's the most unloving thing you could possibly say to a suffering person you know if you just had a little more faith oh my gosh i i want to punch people Had a little more faith then i wouldn't be punching you right now (laughs) um yeah that's not good i mean my my wife's dad uh passed away um Um, many years ago and and the whole church had been praying for him he had been sick for a while the whole church was praying for him and he passed away and people actually said to her family oh it's too bad that that you know he didn't have enough faith to get healed and i just can't i i'm i'm flabbergasted by that what a completely insensitive horrifying thing to say anyway i hope that helps anybody else Go
3: ahead, man. Uh, Who's got hands up? Flint. uh, Yeah, Flint. Go
2: for it. You mentioned that you don't like to mention false teachers by name. No. Is there a reason for that?
0: Well, the biggest reason is that uh, um, I I don't want to glorify them. Um, You know, I don't want you going out and checking them out. Um, you know because just stay away just you know um, uh, but also I, I feel I am tentative about um, pointing the finger at another brother in Christ and and being too critical especially when I don't know this person um, and I I haven't been able to actually speak to them about uh, what's going on. I I'll, I will leave the naming of names to someone with a higher pay grade than myself, at least in a forum like this. Now, if you were to come to me personally and say, what do you think about this person or that person? I would tell you exactly how I felt about about them and about, you know, the, the pluses and you know, pros and cons of their particular way of reading scripture um, but in a public forum I really hesitate to do that kind of a thing just doesn't feel right to me
2: uh, I was just thinking it it would it, at least for me it more helps with uh like knowing who to avoid sure it, at least it
0: Well, I'm here, man, so, uh, you know, come chat sometime, okay, (laughs) if there's anybody that you're looking at. Plus, I I also have an issue, you know, because everybody I like has one or two things that they would teach that I would disagree with. I don't know any any Bible teachers that I'm like, 100 percent, yes, you know, everything that comes out of their mouth, I think, is From the Holy Spirit. No, I don't know anybody that I feel that way about. Um, You know, and that's, so it's hard for me. That's why I I will recommend specific, um, specific resources, uh, but usually I'll give a caveat, like, you might want to stay away from them about such and such, you know, I don't think that what they have to say about that is helpful. Uh, but i'd rather do that in a in a in a private conversation than from a pulpit etc i think um, yeah the church is i'd also rather speak directly to the falsehood i have a problem with this idea like the prosperity gospel i have a problem with that idea i don't even like calling it gospel don't call it gospel prosperity teaching because it's not gospel. It's not good news. It's, it's, it is leading us to worship, uh, consumerism and wealth and all the things that Jesus preached against. And when that fails us, we will think God has failed us and we will walk away from God Which that, which is exactly why we shouldn't put our trust in it because it is going to fail us. Uh, rather than naming names i'd rather point a finger at ideas that way no matter who it is when that idea comes out of their mouth you can say yeah i'm not okay with this does that make sense
1: yeah
0: okay i hope that helps i'd rather just teach you good good solid bible teaching from my own particular perspective and 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 you know even with and i'm gonna say this uh and I try and say this every time, but it doesn't matter who it is. Me, Pastor Rob, even the, the saintly Josh Francis there. um, uh, You need to be testing what anybody says. You need to be taking it back to the word. You need to be praying through it, asking the Holy spirit. Is this, is this, is this right? Is this, you know, from, from you Lord. And, and, It is really okay to say, you know, I really love that guy, but that one sermon, mm, I've got some issues with that.
3: Yeah.
2: Alexander and all that. What's that? Hymenaeus and Alexander. I forget the other two names. I think there was like four or five teachers that Paul specifically called out for being teachers yeah a
0: couple of them are in this chapter um yes hymenaeus and alexander are in this chapter that he calls out by name remember that paul's context is very different than than ours one he's an apostle and i'm not he has authority over this church um these are folks that he's already dealt with in a public manner um, that he most likely, because he was their pastor, called them to, uh, to repentance and they refused. Which is why he says, I handed them over to Satan. He, he says that about them. What does that mean? That means they refused to repent of their action. So he gave them over, even as God gave them over in Romans and other places, gave them over to what it is that they were wanting to That is very different than there's a preacher out there on the internet that I have no idea who they are or what's going on, but I heard heard them say a couple things. Or even worse, someone told me they were preaching things. I literally had a phone call today from someone who said that they were in a conversation with someone else, and that person told them I was no longer a Christian. Isn't that fun? Yeah. That's and that's happened to me multiple times. That's probably because of my of how often I cuss in public and, and my my regular heroin use. I'm kidding. That's just all of that was a joke. That's not true. Somebody's like recording this and they're gonna put see, you know, <clears throat> send it to to Don Gifford and <laughs> No, the reason they said that is because I was on a podcast in a conversation with an atheist. And so they automatically assumed that I must be an atheist as well. If they had listened to the podcast, they would have heard me talk about Jesus the entire time, but they didn't. And so they made an assumption that I was no longer a believer. I was, I was on that podcast specifically for the purpose of preaching some truth to this guy. Um, but, uh, but, you know, they just made an assumption about that. And that's happened to me many, many times. Guess what? It happened to Jesus. Jesus is hanging out with those people. Obviously, Jesus has a screw loose. His holiness isn't on quite right, right? Remember that? Yeah. Okay. So that's why I'm careful. I know I picked on Creflo Dollar, but come on, he asked for it. You don't, you know? Anyway. All right any further thoughts questions ideas flint did that make sense what i said
1: yeah
3: okay
0: i actually think and have have seen ministries where their whole ministry is about is about calling out the names of people that are are off and i feel like they are doing exactly what paul is telling Timothy not to let people do. If your ministry is all about anything other than preaching Christ, you've made a mistake. If your ministry is all about anything other than leading people to love God and love people, you've made a mistake. That's how I feel. And I think that that's exactly what Paul is saying. They have swerved over into vain discussion. Guys, if you wanna have fun, if you wanna have just, just, just hours of hours of fun, Go on YouTube and look up flat earthers, okay? Um, There are a bunch, a bunch of people who say they're followers of Jesus and who say that the Bible itself teaches that the earth is not a globe. It is indeed flat. And their whole ministry, their whole ministry is all about teaching that the earth is flat. You're not gonna hear them preach the gospel. You're not gonna hear them tell you about you know, the Sermon on the Mount and, and being transformed into the image of Christ and stepping out into kingdom life by faith. You're not gonna hear any of that. What you're gonna hear is the earth is flat and NASA is covering it up. And it's 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 fun, it's hilarious, it's great. Go spend some time with them and enjoy it. Yeah, Flint
3: funny you mentioned that specifically. Oh, really? Um, You had an encounter? So a friend of
2: mine, I have a lot of internet friends. A couple of friends of mine from Detroit and Pennsylvania were on a YouTube video call thing with a couple that my friend from Detroit met. And they (laughs) then they started going off about all the flat earth stuff and saying, countless scriptures testified to this and all three of us were just so confused and concerned and we all just ended up leaving it was oh my goodness
0: i would love to get in a conversation with a flat earther just for the entertainment value i mean truly i would i would because their understanding of how to interpret scripture is way off
2: it's all in poetry, specifically. Yeah. Oh yeah, every. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but the Bible so- says it, and that settles it. Flint, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's
2: funny that you specifically mentioned flat Earth, right after talking about how like you were on a call with someone who is an atheist.
0: Yeah, well, that was fun. I actually, he asked me to be on the podcast because he wanted me to teach him the enneagram. But I spent the entire time talking about how the whole reason that I enjoy the Enneagram is because uh, it has helped me to love my neighbor more, you know. So I spent the whole time really talking about Jesus. It was very fun. Um, I would love to be on a podcast with, with a flat earther. Oh, my gosh, that would be a blast. That would be so much fun. Yeah. Really, really fun. To say. Um, my friend yeah and then we can talk about we can talk about uh the illuminati and we can talk about um the bilderberger group and we can talk about how nixon was a part of the cia team that killed jfk because he was going to reveal the u.s's cooperation with aliens it'd be really fun anyway okay let's Let's keep moving because we don't want to do like these people did. Now, the Apostle Paul is not just pointing at people who are teaching weird stuff like Nephilim and, and, and Flat Earth and whatever. He's also pointing at people that are teaching legalism, people that are teaching that you have to be a Jew in order to be a Christian, which was what all of the book of Galatians is about, really, is about this group of people that... We're trying to convince everyone that in order to belong to Christ, you have to, uh, you, you have to first be circumcised and follow the, the Jewish law, right? So um, uh, Paul was also talking about them. So now he's going to talk about the law, although he doesn't spend nearly as much time in Timothy talking about it as he does in Galatians and Romans. Um, but he is going to talk about it. So verse eight, how much time? Okay, we're good. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who, and then he goes on and he does this whole list of naughty things that we shouldn't do. And we'll talk about that list in a minute. But first, let's talk about this. What does it mean that uh, to to use the law lawfully? That's the question. What does that mean? Because that's a big deal. And if it's okay to teach the law, as long as we're teaching it lawfully, we might want to know what that is before we go off and try and teach the law. So are you ready? Let's buckle up because this is kind of a complex not simple idea that we need to uh, clue in to Um, uh, because a lot of times the church teaches the law in a way that i would consider unlawfully okay a lot of times we'd like to use the law in a way that makes no sense in regards to the gospel Uh, and paul's trying to help us with that so to use the law unlawfully is to use it for that which is not meant to be used. Okay. So the law was created for a purpose, right? Does that make sense? And God wants us, God wants the law to be used for that purpose and not some other purpose. So we try and make the law do things that it cannot do, i.e., we try and make the law make a per- person righteous. The law is not capable of making a person righteous. It's not capable of that. All the law has the power to do is accuse. I like to think of the law as a ruler, okay? Or my favorite my favorite way of talking about it is as uh, one of those signs at the amusement park that says, you have to be this tall to ride this ride. Are you with me? Okay? If that can can that sign make you any taller?
3: Can a ruler make things bigger? No. Um, the law can't
0: make you. All the law is ever going to do is going to be held up to you, and you're going to be it's going to be revealed to you real quick. I don't measure up. That's what's going to happen every time we go to the law. That's what takes place. The law reminds us that we need a savior that's what the law is for it's how the law works it shows us in the negative a a picture of god's nature like you know it says thou shalt not and because those are things god does not do and that's cool uh but it also shows us that we are broken that we are not formed into the image of christ just yet and therefore we uh don't measure up does that make sense to everybody Yeah. That's what the law is for. But the law can't help you to measure up. That guy, that sign cannot change its, its, you know, its height. Can't do that. That guy can't do that. Because if he did, then anybody could ride the ride. Right. And the rulers have to stay exactly the right length, or else they're not, they're worthless as rulers, right? But Jesus came, and this is Romans chapter eight. Jesus came and did what the law could not do. Because of our human weakness, the law is wonderful, but we are broken. So um, Jesus came and Jesus took us out of the law of sin and death and gave us a new law of spirit and life. And now we are walking according to that law by faith in what Jesus did on the cross. So, uh, the teachers of the law are offering legalism and human attempts at holiness as a means to growing in Christ. Won't work, not helpful, okay? When we came to Christ, we left the law behind. It is no longer useful to us anymore. The way that Paul talks about it, he says, that's it, the law was our teacher that led us to Jesus. But now that we're with Jesus, we don't need it anymore. That's not a helpful thing. It's no longer can help us grow. Not that it ever could. All it could do was point us in the direction of a savior. So people who live the way uh, that it is, that is described here. And we'll talk about that list in a minute, are obviously not saved people. Okay. That's the whole point of that list is these are people who have no intention of following God, no intention. They're living in unrepentant rebellion. That is where they are. All of the things that are listed there have to do specifically with that. These are people pursuing evil, not pursuing God. I think we read lists like this and sometimes we see stuff in them that we're like, oh no, that's me. I'm not gonna inherit the kingdom of God, no. And we get freaked out and the devil comes along and he's like, you fool, you thought God loved you. You're so wrong. Now that's not the point of this list. the the point of this list is to describe people who are in unrepentant rebellion against god they do not want anything from god they don't want to pursue god they don't want anything from god they're not followers of the gospel of jesus christ that is what he's trying to do is to is to uh kind of, you know, you know those people that have no desire to be followers of God. Um, that's who they are. And that's who the law is for. The law is for them to show them that the life that they're living is, is broken and not going to work. And they need Jesus. Now, the law isn't going to make them righteous either. But they don't want Jesus. And so the only thing they have left is the law. And so We're going to keep teaching the law, right? Because they need to see, they need to see that they need a savior. Um, It's not for us because it's not going to lead us to love. Remember, that's what we're after. We're after being led toward love. That's what Paul wants, and the teaching of the law is—it's not good. It's not going to give us the power to love people more. We need to be teaching people to love one another. All right. If we, as those who are led by the Spirit and are free from the law, uh, what did I, I think I wrote that sentence in a weird way. (laughs) We cannot grow in grace by the application of the law. That's not how it works, okay? To go back to don't sleep with someone that's not your wife is not going to take us any deeper in Christ. We should already know all of that. We should already be well beyond all of this stuff This stuff is stuff we should have left behind a long time ago. And if I'm standing in a room full of people that are professing to love Jesus and and seeking to live a Christian life, and I'm still having to tell them they shouldn't kill anyone, we've got a problem. Does that make sense? If I stood up on a Sunday morning at First Assembly and I said, by the way, you shouldn't kill people. Do you think anyone in the room would be like, Oh my gosh! I had no idea. I need to repent of all my murder, right? Would, would would that happen? I really hope not. I mean, I haven't been to First Assembly on a Sunday in a while, so. But. I really hope that that's not the state of things over there. Okay, so. Um, uh, but uh, but, and like, don't commit adultery. And you shouldn't punch your mother and father. These are things that I shouldn't have to say to people following Jesus, okay? These are these are pretty rudimentary things, all right? I shouldn't, it's not, I'm not teaching you how to love uh, if I'm still back there on that stuff. Because, oh, let me bring it forward like Jesus did, okay? Jesus said, oh, you, you've heard that you shouldn't kill anyone. But i tell you that if you say to your brother you fool then you you've you have (laughs) murdered them right okay so do you see how that's taking it beyond like this cursory reading of the law and how the law is no longer helpful because the jewish people especially knew how to obey the law. They knew it really well. In fact, they knew ways to obey the law that would enable them to completely ignore the law. That was exactly, that's, they're like pastor's kids. We know the rules, right? But I'm a pastor's kid. I'm allowed to talk about pastor's kids. We know the rules, but we also know how to break the rules without getting, we break the spirit of the law, even though, you know, Anybody had any experience with pastor's kids? You guys have done PK retreats. You know what I'm talking about. And some of you are pastor's kids too. But anyway, yes, we're moving beyond that. We're moving to something greater because what Jesus told us was this. He said, your righteousness has to surpass the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees if indeed you want to enter the kingdom. That's what he said, he meant it. That that cursory letter of the law reading would never be enough. We're pushing beyond that deeper into something that can only be empowered by the spirit. And that is love your neighbor as yourself, or even further to where Jesus took us in that passage I read moments ago, love each other as I have loved you.
3: That's a lot further than don't
0: punch them in the mouth. Does that make sense? To love my wife is not all wrapped up in I'm not sleeping with other people. (laughs) To love my wife, I have to be loving toward her. I can't just do the bare, you know, I can't just not break our vows. I have to go beyond that. I have to actually care for her. Does all of that make sense? Okay. Any questions, thoughts, ideas? All right. Apparently what was going on in Ephesus was, again, this teaching of the the law in this way. And Paul is going, we were looking for love. We want to go beyond a cursory teaching of the law. We're looking to grow in grace. Now, let's talk about this list. I'm going to read it to you again. Okay, And there's a lot of stuff on here. All right. The lawless, disobedient, ungodly and sinners, unholy and profane. Those aren't specific at all. That's just people who have chosen to be lawless. People who have said, I don't want to be good. I'm walking away. I'm in unrepentant rebellion against God. Those who strike their fathers and mothers. I find it very interesting that he goes there immediately. <laughs> but that was one of the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother, right? And so Paul goes there. Um, uh, the sexually immoral men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the gospel, the glory of the blessed God, which I have been interested. All right. So there's a whole bunch of stuff on that list. I have two things to mention about this list and one of them might be a hair controversial but stick with me all right everybody okay the first one is oh well there's two things in this list that i i the translation is is unclear as to exactly what paul meant when he was with the words that he used the, remember that this is a translation from greek and we have greek words here that we don't really know what they mean we are making a guess. It's our best guess as to what they mean, and that's what they've been translated. The two words are enslavers and men who practice homosexuality. Those two words um, are right next to each other, and I would I would say for a reason. They're right next to each other, and they are odd, rare Greek words, okay? We'll start with the... With Men who practice homosexuality. So that word that's translated that way, we don't know really what it means. It's a conjunction of two Greek words. The Greek words are the word for man and bed, but we don't know precisely what that means. So if you're going to build a case for homosexuality as a sin, this isn't a good verse to do it from. There's a lot of other there's there's probably six or seven other good verses out there to that you might want to go to, although Paul uses this word in another context as well. Um, uh, but that's the only two places it's used in scripture. And we don't know for sure what it means. We're guessing as to what it means. It doesn't say men who practice homosexuality. It doesn't say that. In fact, there were Greek words that meant men who practice homosexuality. Paul did not use that word. Okay. Now, the other word is enslaver. Okay. And that word translated we translate it enslaver or kidnapper we don't really know what that word means it's another conjunction of two words means man and foot are the two words i don't even know (laughs) but that's we to put a man under your foot would be to enslave them right that's kind of a word picture but again we don't have great textural textural evidence this is the only place in the whole of scripture where that particular word is used We don't know exactly what it means. So we need to be careful building any kind of doctrine on this when it's unclear what those two words mean. Here's my take. Okay. I really believe the Apostle Paul is speaking directly to something that went on in Ephesus, which was the enslavement of young men to serve as temple prostitutes. Okay. The Uh, There was a Greek temple, a very famous Greek temple in Ephesus. And there were young men who at a very young age, sometimes as young, like, like as soon as they were able to walk, who were sold into slavery in order to be temple prostitutes. And they weren't sleeping with women. Okay, they were sleeping. They were having sex with men. So this is human trafficking going on from a very young age. And the fact that these two words go, are sitting right next to each other says, uh, and through the other things that are on this list would say to me that we're probably talking more about that than we are about something else. Um, uh, also because it's in Ephesus. So that's my guess. There's some people that would agree with me. There's other people that would vehemently disagree with me, but uh, just be careful of those two words in that list. Is Everybody on the same page? great. Awesome. Um, All right. we have any questions at this time? No? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? No? Okay. Good. Uh,
3: Verse 12.
0: I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus, our Lord, because he judged me faithful, pointing me to his service. The formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost, but I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Okay. Paul wants to give hope to the list dwellers. Okay. All those folks that were on his list before, uh, the, the, all the, he, he, he wants to hold out hope to them. Jesus still loves you. You can still come in. I was one of you. I was in rebellion against God. I was in rebellion against the gospel, but Jesus saved me and bec- and he saved me for this reason so that I could stand up here and tell you I was way worse than you. I knew better and I still was rejecting God and His and his gospel. And yet here I stand, not just saved, but an apostle. Please come in. So when we see that list, Paul is having compassion on those folks saying, even they are not beyond redemption because I belonged on that list one time long ago and Jesus saved me. The gospel is available even for those. I love that Paul says this, He doesn't leave them out in the cold he doesn't leave them out in the well those people out there no he keeps he says these are the folks Jesus loves them Jesus died for them Jesus saved me Jesus can save them I think we need to hear Paul in this because it is easy for us you and I when we are preaching, when we are talking about sin in any form or or description, to point at sin and leave it there without a recognition that we are and have been sinners ourselves, that we are in as much of need of the grace of God, even today to this day, as we, as anyone that we would point at and say they need jesus i need jesus you know i used to have t-shirts that said y'all need jesus my wife told me i don't think you should wear that anymore um because she felt like it was condemning you know like 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 i was saying i don't need jesus but y'all need jesus that's not what it was a joke really that's what you know but um but i totally get her point and i agree if I'm saying, well, you need Jesus, but I'm not saying, and so do I, then we've made a mistake. I love Paul's example here. Hey, even for you that I just mentioned, okay, the gospel is available to you. Just come home, right? There's no reason for you to stay in that place. Come home. And that's kind of the purpose. That's, that's what he's saying the law is for is to say to them, you need a savior. And they do. Paul wants to make sure that we know that the gospel offers hope to all of us. And God's, uh, there's this wonderful phrase in verse 16, I received mercy that in me as foremost among sinners, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience. You guys remember that 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 song from Sunday school? He's still working on me to make me what I want to be. Anybody? I'm such an old person. Pastor Barry would know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> it's a great song. He's still working on me, and then it says it took him just a week to make the moon and the stars and like all of creation. Oh, how loving and patient he must be that he's still working on me. Amen. And Uh, Y'all too, unless, because if y'all are perfect, why am I teaching this class? Um, I'm so grateful for the patience of God. I need his patience every day. I'm so grateful for a God who is not shutting the door on me because I'm not getting it right all the time, because I'm an idiot sometimes. I'm so grateful for a God who sees the weakness of my frame and still his call is calling me in to him so if you're if you're reading that list and going i don't know i, I did hit my mom the other day <laughs> i'm a little worried about myself i want to say to you jesus is still waiting for you come home i need his patience amen all right we have 5 minutes left Let's just finish the chapter, shall we? We'll be done with chapter one. Isn't that exciting? No, nobody's excited. A couple people are excited. Praise the Lord. All right to the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. You're going to find whenever Paul starts talking about the gospel and about how he is saved and he doesn't deserve it, you're going to find Paul is going to break out in praise. He does it all the time. Oh, the glory. Just, he just, you can see him just, you know, just, just getting all excited. God is so good. Hallelujah. Woo, glory, you know, and, and, um, I love this phrase to the king of the ages immortal invisible the only God be honor and glory forever and ever the king of the ages is a reference to Daniel 7 the ancient of days he is king of the aeons the king of the of the ages he's immortal which means he's undecaying and imperishable he's invisible he's invisible that's interesting isn't it uh, <laughs> He's the only God. He is God alone. And uh, and, be, and to him be glory forever and ever to the ages of the ages, to the aeons of the aeons. Amen and amen. This charge, verse 18, I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, with the <clears throat> prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Paul several times talks about this moment where Timothy was ordained and the elders came around and they laid their hands on him and prophetic words were spoken over his life. And Paul is reminding him of these promises of God. The Lord spoke over you by the elders. The Lord put a gift in you by the the laying on of hands. You can do this, Timothy. Hang on to that prophetic word. Do battle with it. I know who God says I am. And I will not allow the enemy to steal that from me. Y'all need to learn how to do that. That's a big deal. That's important. Hang on to those prophetic words that God's spoken over you. Hang on to those verses that God's made alive in your heart. Stick to those. They are important. Believe in his promises above all else. Verse 19, holding faith in a good conscience by rejecting this, some have made a shipwreck of their faith among whom are hymenaeus and alexander he's naming names flint there you go whom i handed over to satan so that they may learn not to blaspheme that's a scary thing would you want to get handed over to satan no i would not want to be handed over to satan myself but paul's handed these two guys over to satan that sounds super harsh what's going on there well i'll tell you okay uh, first of all, you're stuck, your name is in the Bible forever as somebody handed over to Satan. That's got to be, you know, that's got to be like embarrassing, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> think about that. Um, but then, okay, Paul also mentions this in 1 Corinthians 5, um, at this practice of turning someone over to Satan. My best guess, because we don't know a lot about it, but my best guess has to do with the kind of thing, because Paul in Romans chapter one talks about God giving them over to their lust, to their whatever. It's like we walk in rebellion against God for so long, and then finally God's like, all right, just go, which is the kind of, we see it happen in Genesis Um with the flood where God says, my spirit will not endure with men forever. I'm not going to put up with this forever. I've given you 120 years to figure this out. And then he pronounces judgment. He's giving them over. It seems like God often does this as a judgment to where if we are running hard in the opposite direction of God, that God will cease to put obstacles on our way. And he will stop trying to call us to, 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 to stop us from going. Um, and he just says, "All right, go. I can't stop you, so I'm not going to try. Go." And I'm fairly certain that's exactly what Paul is talking about. Um, it isn't that Paul just randomly handed people over to handed people over to Satan. These guys made a conscious choice. I believe that Paul would have confronted them personally and called them to repentance, and they probably and they rejected that call. And because of that, Paul says. Okay, go, but you're no longer part of this body. You cannot continue in this lifestyle and be a part of what's going on here because you're going to be destructive to the church. So go. Uh, and and they're, they're removed from the church, which back then was an even bigger, you know, nowadays you can just go down the street and walk into another church. That was not true then. In Ephesus, there was one gathering of believers and that was it. And uh, so if you got handed over to Satan... Um, uh, that was it. I want to say one final thing about this in both mentions of this practice of handing people over to Satan, um, as harsh as it sounds, it, it
3: is for
0: their own good. There is something salvific about this activity Okay, because in First Corinthians, they're being handed over to Satan so that their flesh might be destroyed, so that their souls might be saved. That's exactly what Paul says about them, I'm handing them over to Satan so their flesh might be destroyed, but their souls might be saved. So it is, Paul is hoping that in letting them just run off into their sin, that they will recognize what they've lost and they will come back with repentant attitudes. And here he says that they might learn not to blaspheme. So again, it isn't that Paul hates these people and that Paul is like, just get out of here. I don't ever want to see your face again. No, no, this is Paul's say with tears and a broken heart saying, go then, go. If at some point you're ready to repent and you're ready to come home, that's that possibility, I believe, is left open to them. I really believe that because that sounds more like Paul and more like Jesus to me than the other. All right, let me pray for you and then we can go. Father, I thank you for this opportunity once again to learn from your word. I pray, oh God, that we would indeed oh, would be in a place of repentance and rest in your perfect patience. Lord, I ask that you would teach us to walk by the power of your spirit and to be transformed into the image of our savior, Jesus Christ, that we would learn how to love in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All right, y'all. Now, do you know, are we doing this like this again next week? When is your quarantine over?
1: Supposed to be tomorrow.
0: Tomorrow. Good news. All right. Well, I will see you next week, then. God bless. You have a wonderful day. Bye, Pastor Josh. Thanks.